This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. This is the Relic Radio Show, 60 minutes of radio drama every Tuesday at RelicRadio.com. First story comes from Mr. Chameleon this week. We'll hear his episode from September 22nd, 1948, titled The Case of the Game of Death. After that, it's Escape and the Fortune of Vargas. That story aired September 21st, 1949. Tonight we again present the famous Mr. Chameleon of Central Headquarters in his most famous cases of crime and murder. Brought to you by the makers of Bayer Aspirin. As all of you know, Mr. Chameleon is known in the police as Chameleon, the man of many faces, who appears in various impersonations to track down his prey. The audience always knows who Mr. Chameleon is, but the criminal he is tracking down seldom does. Tonight we give you Mr. Chameleon and the case of the game of death. The Coronet Hotel is one of Fifth Avenue's finest. But like every other building, it can harbor trouble and unhappiness. And in the elegant suite of the Cunningham sisters, Lois, the younger sister, is sitting weeping and crying out angrily to her sister, Helene. I'm not a baby. It's only ten o'clock, Helene. I have a right to go out and enjoy myself, haven't I? No, you haven't, Lois. Not if you're going to pay bridge for money. But that's ridiculous. You do it yourself all the time. Last month you paid the rent here with the money you made at Bridge. Lois... You're always next door playing with the Smallies. And just because they asked me to a couple of parties... You're too young for that sort of thing. You're only 20, Lois. Since Dad and Mother died, I've had to look after you. And I intend to go on doing it whether you like it or not. But the Smallies have been so kind to us. I didn't say they weren't. I simply said that I won't have you playing cards for money. I'll answer that. And don't think I've finished with you. I haven't. It may be Edgar. I hope it's Edgar. The sooner you marry him, the better I'll be pleased. Yes? Oh, hello there. What's that? Helene! Helene, what happened? <laughs> Meanwhile, strolling along Fifth Avenue, we find Mr. Chameleon, the famous detective from Central Headquarters the man of many disguises who has long terrorized the underworld. And with him is his friend and co-worker, Detective Sergeant Dave Arnold, also off-duty. But like two war horses scenting battle, they stop simultaneously. And Dave exclaims, Mr. Chameleon, do you see what I see? I see a crowd, two police cars in front of the Coronet Hotel. Add them all together when they spell, Dave. Trouble. Yes, come on. Ah, it looks like big trouble, Dave. Oh, there's Captain Robbins. He must be on the job. Hello, Captain. Mr. Chameleon. Dave. What's up? Plenty. A girl named Helene Cunningham, who lives here with her sister, was murdered an hour ago. 
shot through the heart by someone who rang her doorbell. Oh, was she alone at the time? Our sister Lois was in the bedroom. She didn't see the murderer, but she claims it must have been someone Helene Cunningham knew because she greeted them as if she knew them. They got away, huh? Apparently, they ran down the stairs. Uh, did the sister Lois uh, send for the police? Well, no, Mr. Chameleon. The uh. Smalleys did that. The Henry and Catherine Smalley. They have the suite next door. Well, that's them over there talking to the hotel manager. Oh, Nice-looking pair. Smalley. Henry Smalley. That name sounds really familiar. Uh, do you mind if I talk to them, Captain? Go right ahead, Mr. Chameleon. Uh, Dave, you wait for me, please. Okay, Mr. Chameleon. Mr. Smalley? Yes? Um... I'm not on this case officially, but my name is Chameleon, what? and I'd you like... You don't mean it. Catherine, did you hear that? This is the famous Mr. Chameleon. No, it's not possible. Why, you're young and attractive, Mr. Chameleon. From the way we heard you described, we expected a monster with horns. I don't follow you, Mrs. Smalley. Who described me to you? And why is it that your name sounds so familiar to me? Well, let's say we have mutual acquaintances, Mr. Chameleon, who have talked about the brilliant impersonations you use when working on a case. Though... Brilliant was not the word they used. Wait a minute, I have it. You're the Henry Smalley who's done such wonderful work among men with prison records, gotten them jobs, hired them yourself. Am I right? I'm afraid you are, Mr. Chameleon. Uh -huh. You know, it's amazing, Mr. Chameleon, how seldom those men betray my faith in them. But uh, right now I'm minus the secretary who vanished yesterday, taking some of the family jewels with him. Mr. Chameleon isn't interested in your stray lambs, Henry. I'm sure he's much more interested in hearing about Helene Cunningham. Oh, yes, poor Helene. It was frightful, Mr. Chameleon. We heard the shot, rushed next door, and there she was, covered with blood with her sister Lois kneeling beside her. Uh, did you know the two sisters well? We knew Helene fairly well. She used to play bridge with us. She was a beautiful girl. I can't imagine you would want to kill her. Or why? It seems so senseless, so cruel. What will happen to little Lois? I wouldn't worry too much, dear. Little Lois will be taken care of. Uh, by whom, Mrs. Smalley? By the um, young man approaching us. Mrs. Smalley, where's Lois? How is she? I wouldn't believe it when you called me. I, I still can't believe that Helene was murdered. Lois asked me to call you, Edgar. She's still upstairs being questioned by the police. Then she needs me. Thank you for calling. Hmm. Touching, isn't he, Mr. Chameleon? Young love on a white horse is always so touching. Is he Lois Cunningham's fiancé? We presume he is. His name is Edgar Williams. She brought him to call on her several times. Well, then she will be taken care of. Yes, Mr. Chameleon, if you call being married to a nice, dull young man being taken care of. Personally, I think that Lois deserves a better fate. I think that Catherine and I should take an interest in her. <laughs> And personally, my dear Commissioner, I would just as soon have two vultures take an interest in that girl, Lois. At least vultures are honest birds of prey. But, Chameleon, do you really think this chap Smalley and his wife are card sharps? Commissioner, it's a very difficult thing to prove. They live in a high-class hotel, they dress well, they're attractive, but they give bridge parties constantly. And according to her sister, Helene Cunningham, played for money. She paid their bills that way. And she must have had better luck at cards than I do. No. No, not necessarily. Hmm? A commissioner socially, the Cunningham girls are top-drawer stuff. Their parents, unfortunately, left them penniless, but they continued to keep up their standard of living. Well, how? Because Helene won occasionally at bridge? 
No, Commissioner. You never convinced me of that. Then you think that the Smallies used Helene as a come-on? She introduced them to her friends. Friends with money, and then the Smallies proceeded to fleece the friends at Bridge. I think that's very possible. And when she decided to pull out, she was murdered. I think that is possible, too. But remember, a high-class gambling ring, Commissioner, is the toughest thing in the world to smash. How can you prove that a charming couple like the Smallies are card sharps? If they are. And you believe they are. I believe that a lot of ugly things go with gambling. Blackmail, sometimes suicide, sometimes even murder. Now, the Smallies are just a cog in the wheel. And I'd like to smash the wheel. How are you going about it? Are you going to take up gambling? Get yourself an introduction to the Smallies' inner circle? No. No, I'd rather be part of that inner circle. What do you mean? Well, Henry Smalley's pet philanthropy is rehabilitating criminals, or so he says. Don't you think he'd rehabilitate me? You? Uh-huh. Suppose my name is Otis Smith. I've served a term in prison for forgery, but I want to go straight. Oh, after all, Commissioner, Mr. Smalley is a charitable man. I'm sure that he'd be only too glad to help me. When Mr. Smalley sees me, it will be as Otis Smith. So your name is Otis Smith, and you served a term for forgery, Six years at Leavenworth. I was released for good behavior. Mm -hmm. How old are you? Thirty-six. You look much older. Well, I should, Mr. Smalley. I got this white hair and stir, and I picked up a few other things there, too, like my limp. How did that happen? Got into a fight with another prisoner, dropped a rock on my foot, broke all the bones in it. You had quite a bad time of it, didn't you, Mr. Smith? I learned to hate the whole world, especially organized society. Organized for what? To persecute men like me who simply try to make a living off the suckers and the fools? So you think the suckers and fools of this world are fair game for anyone who's smart enough to make a living off them? Sure I do. Don't you? I heard that you are very understanding, Mr. Smalley. I understand the criminal mentality, Mr. What do you mean by that? I mean I feel deeply sorry for you people who have been in prison, and I'd like to help you. You seem like an educated man. One year in college. You're quite presentable, too. That white hair gives you a lot of distinction. You see, my secretary ran out on me a few days ago. Poor devil, he fell in with some of his old associates and promptly skipped out with some of my wife's jewelry. I assure you, Mr. Smalley, I am not a common thief. I know. You forgers always consider yourselves artists. Now, wait a minute. I want you to meet my wife and her brother. Catherine, Claude, come in here, will you please? Yes, dear. What is it? And who is this? The forger? The gentleman who wrote you such a pathetic letter? That's right. Mr. Smith, this is my wife and her brother, Mr. Taylor. How do you, How do, you, do, you do, Mr. Smith? And now you've met the entire household. Unless you're kind enough to let me join it, Mr. Smalley. What makes you think we'd allow you to join it? Oh, I don't know. I... Have a hunch we'd all get on together. You're not exactly shy, are you? Uh, Mr. Smith. Yes, Mr. Taylor. I've always been extremely curious about forgers, how they work. Could you give us an example of your craft? That's an idea, Claude. How about it, Mr. Smith? 
You have something handy with your signature, Mr. Smalley? Yes, right here. I just made out a check for the hotel. And I'll get you some paper. Now, I have some right here, thanks. I always carry a little pad around in my pocket. Prefer to use my own pen than I'm used to. Well, I suppose that does make a difference. Yes, indeed. All right, here we go. Henry, please don't stand over me. Can't what? work if you do. Why not? Come on, Claude, he's quite right. He's an artist. No artist likes to work with people watching him. Oh, shall I answer that, Henry? Uh, no, uh, I'll take it, dear. Uh, why? Jay's very tricky. Too tricky? Shh, please. Yes. Mm. I never saw such concentration. Please be quiet. Catherine, Claude, what do you think that was? Henry, no noise, please. It's all right, I finished. Here you are, Mr. Smalley. What do you think of that? Imitation of your signature. That's amazing. Hmm. I couldn't tell the difference between this and my own signature. Neither could I. You are an artist, Mr. Smith. Thank you. Unfortunately, there's no market for my art. Why, I'm still hoping that you can give me a job. Mr. Smith, I must tell you something. That phone call just now was from the police. Police? What? Yes. I have a shock for you. The body of Willis Evans, that's my former secretary, was found this morning on the waterfront. He'd been bludgeoned to death. So, you see, Mr. Smith, this job may mean bad luck. But if you want it, it's yours. I'll take it. Mr. Chameleon and the case of the game of death continues in just a moment. Whenever you want really quick relief from an ordinary headache or the pains of neuritis or neuralgia, get Bayer Aspirin at any drugstore and take two tablets with a full glass of water at once. You'll be surprised how fast your suffering is relieved. Results with Bayer Aspirin are quick because of its two-second disintegrating action, an action so fast that Bayer Aspirin is ready to go to work almost the instant you take it. You can actually see this by dropping a Bayer Aspirin tablet in a glass of water. Before it reaches the bottom of the glass, it begins to disintegrate. It does the same in your stomach, hence relief comes with amazing speed. Another point to remember about Bayer Aspirin is this. Bayer Aspirin has been used without ill effect by millions of normal people. So for two reasons, for amazingly fast and reliable relief, be sure to ask for Bayer Aspirin by its full name, not by the name Aspirin alone when you buy. Get the 100 tablet bottle, and you get Bayer Aspirin tablets for less than a penny apiece. And now back to Mr. Chameleon and the case of the game of death. It is a week later, and we find Mr. Chameleon at central headquarters in the office of the police commissioner with Detective Sergeant Dave Arnold. As Dave says, And that's all I could dig up on the Smallies. Their source of income is certainly dubious. None of them worked, not even Mrs. Smalley's brother, Claude Taylor, and Mr. Smalley's small inheritance couldn't possibly take care of them. Not at the Coronet Hotel, it couldn't. What do you say, Mr. Chameleon? Oh, no, hardly. I've been working for the Smalley's for a week now as their secretary. There's no question in my mind as to their source of income. 
There is also no question as to who shot Helene Cunningham. The former secretary? Mm-hmm. Certainly, Commissioner. Then possibly he blackmailed them, or they felt that they couldn't trust him. So he was killed. And who do you think did that, Mr. Chameleon? I don't know, Dave. My guess is the brains of the whole outfit. That could be Smalley, or his wife, or her brother, Claude Taylor. Whoever it is, my personal ambition is to put them behind bars and keep them there. You feel very strongly on the subject, don't you, Chameleon? You know my motto, Commissioner. The innocent must be protected, the guilty must be punished. A vicious organization like this poisons innocent lives like Lois Cunningham's. And What about her? Well, I was in the kitchen last night mixing drinks in my role of Otis Smith's secretary. The Smallies were having one of their parties. And suddenly I heard someone come into the pantry. Lois and her boyfriend, Edgar Williams. Lois was saying... I can't stand it, Edgar. I've got to get out of here. But Lois, darling, what is it? There's something terrible going on here. I'm sure of it now. These card games. Edgar, they're crooked. Lois, are you out of your mind? No. Oh, I didn't want to believe it. that The Smallies were so kind to me after Helene's death. But it's true just the same. But, sweetheart, how do you know? I've never lost much money to the Smallies. I've, I've won as much as I've lost. Well, so have I. But other people have lost tremendous sums. The Carters, for instance, and Babette Dixon, and... Edgar, I introduced all those people to the Smallies. Sweetheart. Oh, Edgar, I'm afraid. Lois, the trouble with you is you need someone to look after you. You've had the jitters ever since your sister's death. I haven't told you, but someone's been following me every time I've gone out. What? Well, there's something I haven't told you. Right after Helene's death, I got a permit to carry a gun. I've got it right here with me. If anyone tries to harm you, I'll... put that gun away. All right. But at least you know now I'm able to protect you. Oh, darling, you're wonderful. Really, you are. You're the sweetest, the most naive. Naive? Yes, naive. Especially about the smallest. Oh, Edgar, Edgar, I do love you so much. I'm so terribly afraid. Lois. Who was that? Is there someone in the kitchen? I'm... Sorry, sir, it's only me. I'm uh, Otis Smith, Mr. Smalley's secretary. What the devil were you doing there? Eavesdropping? No, sir. Well, I hope you got an earful. I hope I made it clear that I love Miss Cunningham, and I intend to protect... And Lois Cunningham needs protection, Commissioner. Right now, she's in just as much danger as her sister was. What are you going to do about it, Mr. Chameleon? Dave, I have one little chore I want you to take care of, and then I'd better get back on the job as Smalley's secretary. They're giving another party next week. Chameleon, does it occur to you that you may be in danger, too? Is that something new? Commissioner, I am determined to smash that outfit. I want to get them all. Not just the cogs in the wheel or the spokes, but the hub. The very heart and center of the group. The one who holds them together and makes them go round. you, Henry. She told me she was finally convinced we were crooked. Even if she can't prove it, she can warn her friends against us. She'll frighten everyone away. What's that? Someone close the door. Who is it? Hi, Mr. Smalley. Otis Smith. Sorry I'm late. Well, 
We were beginning to worry about you, Otis. Weren't we, Catherine? Yes, we were. Where were you all afternoon? I had some shopping to do. You were gone a long time. Just where were you shopping? Oh, what's the matter? Don't you trust me? Otis, we've had an extremely disturbing afternoon. First, Catherine had an unhappy scene with Lois Cunningham, and then Claude comes home with news about you. About me? Claude, come in here, will you? Yes. Oh, he's back. Yes. Tell him what you found out. I found out that you've been lying to us. Lying? Of course you've been lying. And you didn't get away with it. Mrs. Smalley, Mr. Taylor, in what way have I been lying? You lied about your prison record. My brother-in-law checked on it, and you're a second offender. Oh, that... Do you mean to say you don't realize how very serious that can be? If you're sent up once more, you may be in for life. That's why you should have thought twice before you forged my name on a check. You kidding? I never forged your name, Mr. Taylor. I have the check right here. I'll swear I never made it out. I'll swear to it in court. And you'll go up for life. No. No, I, I couldn't stand that. Five years of it nearly finished me, nearly went nuts. In that case, maybe you'd be interested in a proposition. Okay, what's the deal? Anything but go back to prison. Do you carry a gun, Otis? Well, sure I carry a gun. Oh, I get it. Lois Cunningham, huh? Been wondering about that babe. Thought you were taking an awful chance letting her run around loose. Well? All right. Don't like that kind of job, but what the heck? We all got to do things we don't like occasionally. Stay out here by the stairs. Don't come crashing in unless you hear a shot. Mr. Chameleon, I feel so blasted useless. You have been anything but useless. That last bit of information you dug up was priceless. May turn the trick. You think they'll all be there? They'll be right at my heels. They're going to make sure I pull off this job and I kill Lois Cunningham. And if I don't, then they'll try to kill me. Or at least one of them will. And whoever does that is the one that we're looking for. Here is Lois Cunningham's apartment. See you later, Dave. I hope. Good luck, Otis Smith. Yes? Oh, Mr. Smith. Let me in, quick. Thank heavens you're here, Mr. Williams. Did you think I wouldn't be when you phoned me and said Lois was in danger? I came immediately. Good boy, shut the door, will you? But don't lock it. I may want to get out in a hurry. Edgar? Oh, Mr. Smith, it's you. Why did you call Edgar and say I was in danger? Because you are, Miss Cunningham. Edgar. It's all right, sweetheart. I'm here. I won't let him hurt you. Oh, I don't intend to hurt him, Mr. Williams. See, that's the point. Got quite a story to tell you, kid. But first, I uh, got a favor to ask you, Mr. Williams. I know you have a gun. We should put it on the table. What? What, do you think I'm crazy? No, I'm willing to lay mine on the table. Now, there, there you are. See, there's mine. Please, Mr. Williams, I feel much safer. A kid like you isn't used to handling guns. Go ahead, darling. I want to hear what he has to say. Very well, Lois. There. Now, Smith, tell us about the Smallies. Well, as you know, I've been working as their secretary. This afternoon, they gave me orders to bump off Miss Cunningham. What? 
Then they were responsible for Helene's death, too. Sure they were responsible. They... Someone closed the outside door. The smallest. Edgar. Here, Mr. Williams, here's your gun. Now we're ready for him. Come on out. We know you're there. No funny business either. Mr. Williams and I both got guns. Well, you went back on us, did you, Smith, you dirty little punk? We should have known you would. We never should have trusted you. Never trust a forger. You mean never trust a card sharp, Smalley. That's the way I've always heard it. Be careful, my friend. If you go to the police... Don't move. You stay right where you are, all three of you. You got him covered, Mr. Williams? You bet I have. Good. Because I want them to stand there and listen. Want them to listen carefully, not miss a word. I not only have enough on you send you to jail... I know which one of you is the head of the whole gambling ring. What? You heard me. Party in question is a cold-blooded individual without nerves or heart. Plays a fine game of bridge. Started playing young. Expelled from school at 16 for cheating at cards. Thrown out again during the first year of college. The name, as you know... Edgar! What are you doing? Shut up, boss! What's the matter with this gun? What's the matter with it? Empty, Mr. Williams. I switched guns on you. I gave you mine. They're just alike, as you can see now. Why, you... Put it down. That's the time you played the wrong card. You shouldn't have tried to kill me. I was pretty sure you would. Edgar. Are you accusing me of being head of this... this ratty outfit? Me? Yeah, you, Mr. Williams. You with your boyish face and your naive charm. Served you well, too, haven't they? Even pulled this poor girl, Lois. I've had my eye on you ever since Detective Sergeant Arnold dug up your school record. But I don't understand. What has Detective Sergeant Arnold to do with you? Are you a stool pigeon? No, just a detective. You know, that um, monster that some of your jailbird friends told you about. Chameleon. Chameleon. Yes, I'm Chameleon of the cops. Doing the perfect impersonation of Otis Smith Forger. Well, thank you, Smalley. And the whole thing is over with, Mr. Chameleon. Edgar confessed? Yes, Lars, they all confessed. Or rather, they all accused each other. And Edgar? He even planned my sister Helene's death. Yes. Oh. I know it's a difficult thing to face, but it's better this way. You're young, Lois. You'll fall in love again. Oh, no, never. Yes, you will, my dear. Take my word for it. And don't hate me too much. I don't hate you, Mr. Chameleon. I'm very grateful if I'd ever married Edgar. Exactly. And I had to get him, too. You see, I couldn't let him go free to continue his criminal activities. I could have run in the others in the gang long before I did. I wanted to wait and get the top card in the pack. With these words, Mr. Chameleon concludes tonight's murder case. Here's something it will pay you to keep in mind whenever you're suffering from an ordinary headache and want really fast relief. 
Because genuine Bayer aspirin starts disintegrating in your stomach within two seconds after you take it, it quickly relieves the pain. Actually, this remarkable two-second disintegrating action means that Bayer aspirin is ready to go to work almost instantly. And that's important, for when you're suffering, you want fast relief, very fast relief. And you also want relief you can depend upon. And here again, that means Bayer aspirin. For of all pain relievers, none can match Bayer aspirin's record of use by millions of normal people without ill effect. So when you buy, do as millions do. Ask for genuine Bayer aspirin. Get the 100-tablet bottle, and you get Bayer aspirin tablets for less than a penny apiece. Listen next Wednesday night at this same time for Mr. Chameleon, the man of many faces, in the case of the jewels of death. The part of Mr. Chameleon is played by Carl Swenson, with dialogue by Marie Balmer, from the original story by Frank and Ann Hummer. Music directed by Victor Arden. Your announcer is Dan Seymour. New Lion's toothpaste does what no other toothpaste can. Thousands of laboratory tests on scores of individual teeth reveal that New Lion's toothpaste actually gets teeth two and a half to five and a half times brighter than any of the five leading brands, brighter by far, in fact, than any toothpaste on the market. Remember, it's not just another toothpaste, not just another old toothpaste with an added ingredient. Lion's toothpaste is utterly new, radically different. It cleans without soap, polishes without chalk. Lion's Toothpaste. Listen for Mr. Chameleon, the new mystery drama in the case of the Jewels of Death, next Wednesday night at this time. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Two weeks from tonight, October 5th, You Bet Your Life, starring Groucho Marx, will be heard at this time over most of these same CBS stations. We offer you Escape, starring Victor Mature. Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. You were camped in the dry mountains of Mexico. A hundred yards from a treasure in buried gold, a beautiful girl is sitting across the fire with a gun. And somewhere out in the night, a horseman waits, like the girl, for you to make just one mistake. Tonight, with Victor Mature as Toby Manning, 
we escape to Mexico with a story of conflict between love and the lust for gold, as Jeffrey Household told it in The Fortune of Vargas from his exciting novel, The Third Hour. It was dark and hot. The tropic night air was like warm steam. Night sounds drifted over from the docks. And from the native quarter of Panama City, I stood outside the hotel entrance and looked up at the lighted window on the third floor where... Bately was waiting. After tonight, I hoped I'd never see his ugly face again. Somewhere, somehow, I... I had to make the break. Okay, okay, you can have your three weeks off. But you'll never do it. You haven't got the guts to break away. Bately, it doesn't take guts to break away from a lousy job peddling mining machinery in Latin America. Now, look, Cody. You could be South American manager in ten years if you'd settle down and work at it and stop beating your head against the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe in 25 years I could retire and drop dead. Look, all I need is one right break, and I'll take it from there. Any kind of a break. You need more than a break, Toby. If one fell right in your lap, you'd play it just so far, and then you'd start doubting yourself. Or somebody else. And that's what would beat you. Maybe so. But I've got the next three weeks. Now, look. Every time I come to Panama, you say you're going to quit. Every time you tell me a big chance for real money is just around the corner. Why don't you get wise to you? All right, all right. Lay off of me, will you, Bakley? Report to me in New York on the 29th. I'll lay out your new schedule for you. Don't count on it. You'll be there, all right. I'll give you odds on it. I'll bet you don't do a thing except sit in the sun for the next three weeks. Sit in the sun for three weeks. That would suit Bately fine. To see me come crawling back again. Well, I didn't have a definite plan, but I knew I'd keep on the move. I was so fed up with Bately, the job, mining machinery, I'd have jumped at anything. A guy in a mood like that can get into plenty of trouble. And three days later, I found it. Gracias, adios. Bienvenido, Senor Manning. Welcome back to Colón and to the Café Madrid. Hi, Emmanuel. What's new? New. What's not, amigo? The world grows older, but that is not new. <laughs> yeah. Siéntese, amigo. Sit down, sit down. Thanks. How's business? Say, place is empty. Well, see, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but never it is interesting, senor. In fact, I have said to myself, with a life of this kind, I am, uh, uh, yeah, how do you call it? Fed up? Hey, see, senor. Yeah, so am I. Look, why don't we team up and start a revolution somewhere? Ay, caramba. I was in one once in Mexico. I was a capitan with General Lara. No. We were defeated. Lara? Lara was ambushed somewhere around Torreon, wasn't he? Si, amigo. We yeah. were outnumbered and he was killed. But I was more lucky. I walked 300 kilometers to the seacoast, escape on a Dutch freight ship. Ay, caramba. I hope I will never do that again. Yeah, I hope so, too. You know, there's not much profit in revolution. All right, let me have a roll, Manuel. Si. Here you are, senor. Thanks. You were wrong about the revolution, Senor Manning. In Mexico, with General Lara, I made a fortune like a man never dreams about. 
<laughs> Enough to open this cafe? Look, I don't call that a fortune. Senor Manning in Mexico is one half million dollars in gold, which belonged to me. A half a million bucks? Yeah, 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 sure. It is true, amigo, I swear it. You uh, would take a little chance for that much, perhaps, huh? Perhaps. Bueno, bueno, then we are going to have talk tonight. I have already decided that before you come here this time. I don't get it. What do you mean? Why you think I ask questions from you always when you come here, huh? You tell me. Because I wish to find out if you are the right man for the plan I have. I have decided that you are, bueno. Well, then, let's talk. Tonight, at my casa. Why not now? You think there is no danger for one who knows the secret to a fortune? One must be careful. A fortune? A big chance. Come on, Manuel. Let's get over to your casa and start dealing the cards. So as I tell you, Senor Manning, everything works according to the plan which General Lara has made. The dynamite explodes and the train is wrecked. Our men break open the freight cars and load the pack horses and ride for the rendezvous at Torreon. Everybody except you and uh, General R. Was that it? Si, senor. Yeah. We are the only ones who know of the shipment of gold which is secretly on board. We find it, of course, load our horses and head north to the hills with the Federalists close behind us. At nightfall, we bury the gold and ride for Torreon. And four days later, General Lara is killed. And I escape, as I tell you. And the gold is still there. A half a million dollars worth? Si, senor. And I am the only man who knows where to find it. But if I enter Mexico, I will be executed within 24 hours. That is why I need a partner. You've got one. Only one thing, amigo. Do not think that there will be no danger. In Mexico are thousands of bandidos who will cut your throat for one-tenth as much money. And on the other hand, a half a share in a fortune, a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> I'd shoot the works for a whole lot less than that. Bueno, bueno. Then I will explain to you how to find the fort. What is it? Cuidado. I hear somebody move outside the window. Vamos a ver. Careful, Manuel. Manuel, away from that door. Here, let me get the lights off. There. Did you see who it was? No. I think the shot come from the bushes across from the door. Well... Maybe we'd better take a look. Let's get through the door fast and step to the side. Got your gun? Si, senor. Okay. Let's go. I do not hear anything, senor. No. It's as black as a hat. I'm going across, Manuel. Keep me covered. Bueno. Nobody there, amigo? No. Whoever it was must have run down the alley there as soon as they fired. Hey, you got any ideas? Pues no, amigo. Look, Manuel, if nobody but you and Laura knew about this gold, and Laura is dead, then how come the shot? And why have you been packing a gun? Uh, Senor Manning, when there is a treasure so big as this, it is possible that even the coyotes can smell it. You still... You wish to go on? Yeah. I still wish to go on.
three days later on the train between Mexico City and Durango, I got a few of the answers, or thought I did. The coach had been empty most of the way except for a couple of soldiers up ahead and a few Indians near the back. I was busy watching for some of the landmarks Varga had given me, so I didn't pay much attention to the Mexican girl who came in and sat down in the seat opposite. That is, not until she spoke. Senor, you're wasting your time. It's three kilometers farther yet. Mm, what? The place where the train was wrecked. I said we're not there yet. <laughs> Honey, I don't think I know what you're talking about. Oh, you're lying. You know well enough. And do not call me Honey, senor. My name is Consuela. Consuela? Mm, that's a pretty name, but honey. Do not play the fool with me. Manuel Vargas tells you where he hide the gold, so do not lie to me. Oh. So it was you out there in the bushes with the gun that night. <laughs> you know, you're a bum shot. I do not try to hit somebody. I only shoot to have the chance to get away. You are a fool if you think because I am a woman, I am weak. I know all the tricks of men. They are perros, dogs, all of them. And I would not trust one that far. Okay, honey, take it easy, take it easy. I spend a long time to find Manuel in Colón. I watch him. But I learn nothing until you come. And now I am here for my one half share of the gold. What do you mean? Your half? General Lara was my father. So that's your right. Well, you'll have to work that out with Varga. I don't know anything about it. I am telling you now. You still think I'm a silly girl who can do nothing, huh? Look, senor. All right, look. <laughs> it's a nice gun. Now you better put it back now. You see, honey, if you shoot me, you'd have no one to lead you to the gold. I know where it is. You don't. Yes, senor. So you lead me to it. And don't forget, I'm very good at shooting. Okay, honey. For the time being, count yourself in. Gracias. But have no mistake, senor. I shall take my share of this gold, even if I must kill you to get it. You understand? Sure, I understand. We'll argue about that later. And something else, senor. Yes? Do not call me honey. <laughs> Bueno, senor. Todo esto listo? Yeah, I guess we're ready to pull out. How about it, Consuel? Si, senor. Whenever you wish. Well, thanks a lot for your trouble, senor Pascuales. Uh, Say, you know, it looks like you've rented us five of the best horses in Durango. Yes, nada. It's very bad country where you are gone, senor. Perhaps you would like to hire a guide. Huh? No, thanks. I, I know that country pretty well. But, of course, seguro. And you are going to call it the mine. You and the senorita and sell machinery, verdad? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think you need a guide, senor. Some of the mines are very hard to find, especially the gold mines. Gold mines? Oh, well, as uh, far as I know, it's all lead and silver country up there. Oh, I see. Mostly it is, but there is an old saying, gold is where you find it, verdad? Vamos, senor, we're wasting time. This man would be of no help to us. How do you know? Ever seen him before? Of course not. What you ask? Just wondered. I've never seen him before. Vamonos, senor. Come on. Okay, hurry. Adios, senor. Uh, Vamonos. Goodbye, my children. 
Oh, we have Anchito. Have my horse ready to leave at once. I'm going to take a little trip. You are listening to Escape, starring Victor Mature. Tonight's a big night on CBS, for the welcome mat is out for two of radio's greatest shows, The Bing Crosby Show and The Return of Burns and Allen. In just a little while, over many of these same stations, Der Bingle will be on hand with his songs, his humor, and his guests, comedian Abe Burroughs and Peggy Lee. Right after Bing's housewarming, George and Gracie will keep the celebration going with the first of their new series. So stay with us tonight for Bing Crosby and for Burns and Allen in their opening shows on CBS, where... This fall, you hear them all. Tune in, tune in this fall For the show that you love best of all Listen carefully, here's the address It's CBS, CBS And now back to Escape, starring Victor Mature camped at dusk about a quarter of a mile from the spot where the train had been dynamited. Vargas had given me directions, starting from there. After we ate, I lit a cigarette and rolled up in my blanket and watched Consuela across the fire. She was worth watching. I kept wondering about several things, but mostly who the horseman was who has been following us all day. I'd seen the dust cloud hanging back a mile or so behind us ever since we left Durango. I didn't say anything about it to Consuelo. I still hadn't decided what I was going to do about it. I figured I was fairly safe from her or from anybody else until the minute I tipped off the location of the goal. And right then's when the picture would change and change plenty. Senor Manny, why you stare at me like this? Just wondering some things. Things? What thing? Mm, if a girl like you would really kill me, just for gold. I do not trust anybody, senor. All right. But let's drop the senor. Make it Toby, huh? You wish. It's of no matter to me. <laughs> Toby. Look, suppose I made a deal with you. String along and don't start any trouble until I get the gold to New York. Then if you're really Laura's daughter, I'll try to get Vargas to agree on a three-way split. One-third for each of us. What do you say? I think I do not like it. In New York, I will be in strange place. Here I'm at home. Here, too, I have gone. Quien sabe? Well, think it over anyway. It's your best bet. I'm going to turn in now. We'll start early in the morning. Wait. Yeah, I'm... I will think it over. But, senor... Toby? Yeah? I... I wish you to know that I do not trust you either. Okay, honey. I do not trust anybody. You understand that? Sure, sure, I understand. Good night, Cancelia. The second day out, the traveling was ten times as rough. And all day long, the same dust cloud stayed with us, following a mile or so behind. I knew there'd have to be a showdown sooner or later, but not yet. 
when we finally made camp at nightfall, I was dripping with sweat and dog towels, and Consuelo was slumped in her saddle. All of Manuel's landmarks had checked out during the day, and although she didn't know it, the gold was supposed to be buried within a hundred yards of our camp. This was the night to trim the cat's claws. I was counting on one thing, that she couldn't stay awake two nights in succession. And I was right. By two hours after dark, with the full moon barely above the horizon, Consuelo was sound asleep. I slid out of my bedroll and moved quietly around the fire towards her. I knew the gun was under the blanket at her head. So I bent over her and slowly, gently slipped my hand under her and found it, eased it out into the open inch by inch, and dropped it into my pocket. I'd forgotten about her knife until it glittered in the moonlight. She leaped from the ground and came for me. I lunged for her wrist, grabbed her, I hung her while she struggled, twisted, fought like a panther. As small as she was, I could hardly hold her. I couldn't get hold of her other hand. And I wonder the knife. The life might slip loose at any second. Back and forth, we fought in the moonlight, stumbling and slipping, but staying on our feet. I could see only one thing to do. I pulled her towards me, bent her arm back, and twisted. Drop it, Cancel. Drop that knife. Drop that knife. Sorry. You shouldn't have. You should have dropped it. You broke my arm. No, it's only sprained. Better than being cut to ribbons the way I'd have been. Why, you waste time talking. You think I'm afraid to die? You're wrong. You have the gun. You have my knife. Go ahead. Kill me. Why you wait? Wait a minute. Where do you get this idea? I'm going to kill you. Chicoro, why else you wait for me to sleep and steal my gun? Oh, you silly little fool. Look, I was trying to make sure you wouldn't take a shot at me after we located the gold tomorrow. You weren't not going to kill me? Of course not. Look, why don't you get smart and find out you can trust somebody once in a while? Now, wake up now and get some sense in your head. Your hands off I'll me. shake some sense into you if that, I have to... That, you're hurting me! Why you look like that? You... You little devil. You complained of... Why are you going to... No! You kissed me? Yeah. Why? I don't know. You think you're going to kill me when you kiss me? Yeah. Here. Here's your knife. Just now you take it away from me. I know, I know, I know. But look, you better keep it for protection. I do not understand. Never mind. Just, just take it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to turn in now, and uh, look, you'd better get some sleep too. We got a tough day tomorrow. And honey, if you decide to cut my throat during the night, make a clean job of it. Toby, are you awake? Toby? Yeah. <laughs> Buenas noches, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe I was a fool to give her back the knife. Still, if she wanted to kill me, it wouldn't make any difference. She could knock my head in with a rock while I was asleep just as easy. I'd never known a woman like her. At 10 o'clock the next morning, we found the gold. That is all you need, Toby. There's no more. No, it's all on the pack horses. Now look, starting right now, we're going to ride hard until we hit the Nasus River. Somebody's been following us ever since we left Durango. What? Why you know this? I don't know who it is or why. Maybe you do. I? How could I know? Toby, I swear I do not. Okay, okay, here. Now, look, you better take your gun back. You may need it in case we get separated. Separated? I'm going to stay with the gold. Sure you are, but you better take the gun anyway. Now, come on, let's go. Mile after mile, we pushed our horses on the trail to the north, riding most of the day over broken basalt rock to hide our trail. There was no dust cloud to show whether anyone followed, but I was sure somebody did. I was hoping to reach the Nasus River before the showdown came. I knew there was only a rope bridge over the narrow gorge, and once across, I would cut the ropes and close off any further chance of being followed. So we pushed the horses and rode, hour after hour. By late afternoon, Consuelo complained more and more being tired, wanted to stop and rest. And I couldn't be sure she wasn't trying to slow us down. Two hours after dark, we reached the river. Toby, the bridge there ahead of us. Oh, I'm so glad I'm so tired. You're not alone, honey. <laughs> Lucky there's a moon. This thing's no cinch to cross in the dark. It looks very weak. It's only held up by ropes. It's safe enough. Whoa, boy, whoa now, whoa, whoa. <sighs> ah, here. Hold my horse. I'll lead the pack animals across on foot. Toby, be careful. Are you worried about me or the gold? Hurry, please. Take them across. Wait. I think that oh. will not be necessary, senor. You will put up your hand. Do not move. Can you see him? He's in the shadow right by the bridge. It's Pasquale, that guy in Durango. Were you expecting him? Toby, I swear to you that... Bastante. Senor, you will drop your pistol on the ground. Very slowly, please. Gracias. It was very kind of you to discover the gold for me. How did you know we were looking for it? Oh, I forgot to tell you in Durango. I'm Sergeant Alberto Pasquales, formerly with the 4th Regiment of General Lara and the Army of the Revolution. One of my father's soldiers. Uh, for five years I have waited for Captain Vargas to come back for the fortune which I knew he had stolen. Stand out in the moonlight, please. Bastante, that's far enough. Now I lead the horses across the bridge, and then I cut the rope so that you cannot follow me. If you move, I will have to kill you. Toby. Quiet, and don't move. He does not know I have a gun. No, Consuelo. No! No, don't! Don't! I had to move! <laughs> The 
horses reared at the shots. I lunged to stop them, stumbled into Consuela, grabbed her, and held on to keep her from falling. The half-mad animals carried Pasqualis out onto the bridge and drove him along in front of their pounding hooves. I heard the rope supports creak and groan, and then snap with a loud crack, and like slow motion, the whole end of the bridge gave way... Pasqualis and the three pack horses loaded with gold and plunged down into the gorge below. Zombie. Zombie. I'm hurt. Very bad. Hurt? What do you mean? When he shot, I feel the bullet here. No, easy now. Look, you're going to be all right. Now, don't worry. No. No. I'm not afraid to die. Zombie. Yeah. I like it very much when you call me, honey. Sure, honey. I'll be calling to that thousands of times. Well, I'll be... Consuelo! Consuelo! I knelt there in the moonlight holding her in my arms with the bare brown hills of Mexico around me and cursed myself for a fool. The gold was gone, lost in the torrent at the bottom of the gorge. But it didn't seem to matter very much. I'd found a greater treasure. And because I had too little faith, that treasure lay dead in my arms. I lowered her gently and sat there for a long time. Then I picked up the gun she died trying to use. The empty gun I'd taken the cartridges out of because I didn't trust her and threw it into the gorge. Then I dropped down on the ground and wept. I remembered Bately's words. You need more than a break, Toby. If one fell right in your lap, you'd play it just so far. And then you'd start doubting yourself or somebody else. I told you you'd show up, Toby. You even got here a day early. Yeah, I know, Bately. Well, let's settle up my schedule. You must have had yourself quite a vacation. You didn't find the big chance, did you? No, I didn't find it. Well, what'd you do? Just sit around in the sun for three weeks? Come on, tell me about it. Didn't anything happen? That's right, Bailey. You hit it square on the head. Nothing happened. Not a thing. <laughs> Escape was produced and directed by Gordon T. Hughes. With Victor Mature starring as Toby Manning, tonight we have presented The Fortune of Vargas, adapted for radio by Les Crutchfield. Victor Mature will soon be seen in the 20th Century Fox Technicolor production, Wabash Avenue. Next week, we escape with Van Heflin, starring in Joseph Hergesheimer's terrifying story, Wild Oranges. Good night, then, until this same time next week when once again we offer you Escape, starring Van Heflin.
This is CBS, where Bing Crosby can be heard every Wednesday night. The Columbia Broadcasting System. That's the Relic Radio Show for this week. There's more from Mr. Chameleon, Escape, past episodes of this podcast, all of the other podcasts, and our shoutcast stream at relicradio.com. You can donate through the website there if you'd like to help support this and all of the shows. Thank you, as always, to those who have. Thanks for joining me this week. I'll be back Wednesday with another episode of Case Closed, and next Tuesday with another episode of the Relic Radio Show.